You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning and happy Easter. Father Randall Kazel coming from the Church of St. Michael here in Pine Island, Minnesota. Uh, special uh, greetings to my parishioners at St. Paul in Zambroda, St. Columkill in Bell Creek, Holy Trinity in Goodhue, and St. Mary in Belchester. And to all the faithful in this area of Minnesota, I wish you all a happy Easter. And also to all of our listeners throughout the area, may the grace of Easter be with you. And we welcome our next guest, Brother Robert Smith. Brother Robert, welcome to Real Presence Radio. Thank you very much, and happy Easter to you. Thank you, Brother Robert. And Welcome to our show, and can you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself today? Sure. Um, uh, where do I start? I was born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota, and uh, went to what was then called Creton High School, which was a brother's high school. It's now Creton Durham, and that's where I met the brothers 40-some years ago and felt called to religious life, so then went to St. Mary's at the time college, now university in Winona, and joined the brothers graduated with degrees in psychology and theology, then ended up going on in theology, so I have a Ph.D. in Catholic moral theology, and taught for probably 20 years at the college in Winona, and then for the last 20 years I've been doing mostly administrative work, and I currently serve as the Senior Vice President for University Initiatives and uh, kind of anything else the President wants me to do. And I also had some opportunity for international service where we have higher education both in Kenya and also we have a university in Bethlehem, uh, Palestine. Oh, yeah. So you, you have extensive experience all through the world and all through the church, seen many things, and uh, among those being a Christian brother, a Christian brother uh, founded by, uh, can you remind us of who the founder of the Christian Brothers is? Uh, Absolutely. Yesterday was his feast day. April it 7th. was. St. John Baptist de La Salle, about yes. 350 years ago, yep, in France. That's we are right. Now, um, what would I say? We are now in 80-some countries. We have about 1,000 schools. Our primary mission is education. Uh, we have 60-some universities, um, about a million students, and maybe eight, upwards of 100,000 Mm, what do I say, professionals, you know, brothers, lay people, priests, nuns, teachers, faculty, et cetera, in all these schools around the world. Wow. What a contribution to the Church. And uh, one thought that sometimes amazes me, you never know how our work impacts so many people. We, How many, hopefully, saints your, your order will have formed at the end of all things. That's sign of a happy thought. Um, right. But speaking of this, the influence of your order, the Christian Brothers, we also are going to talk today about uh, Brother James Miller, uh, who had a very special place uh, in the Church during his life, but also now where he's being recognized for heroic sacrifice. Can you tell us about Brother James Miller and his life? Sure. Uh, Brother James, or now blessed James Miller, was born and raised on a farm outside Stevens Point, Wisconsin, very much a farm boy loved the outdoors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I first knew him uh, when I was a student at Creighton High School. Uh, my brother was two years older than me, and he actually had him for a Spanish class. But Brother, brother James Miller was here. This would have been the late 60s, early 70s. Um, he was only at Creighton for, I think, less than two years, and he mainly was kind of transitioning 
between his time of service in Nicaragua and then he went to Guatemala, where eventually he was killed. But he also had a knee replaced, I think, in those couple years. And he also, at, at the time at Creighton High School, introduced for the first time ever this uh, sport of soccer. Oh, <laughs> it's pretty good there he now. A, he, right. And he also, like most of the brothers, especially in those days, went to St. Mary's. He had a bachelor's degree in theology and Spanish. And then a few years later, got a master's in education. Um yeah, a very down-to-earth guy. Again, I never had him in class, but I knew who he was, and I think he knew who I was, but my older brother actually had him for class. Okay. And can you tell us more about what, what his service was in the Christian Brother Order and uh, what what led up to his martyrdom? Sure. Um, again, like most brothers, especially in those days, you know, 40, 50 years ago, he was trained, if you will, to be a teacher. So he taught for... I think fewer than probably five years, and he always had a passion uh, for the missions. And at the time, our province, which was headquartered actually at the time in Winona, then moved to Minneapolis, now is in Chicago, but our kind of area was in Central America, so we had a good number of brothers in Central America, especially in Nicaragua and Guatemala. And so he started in Nicaragua, and again, maybe he was there eight years, then came back to the States for maybe two years, and then was in Guatemala for maybe close to another eight before he was shot and killed. Um, I think, you know, he grew up in a family, I presume. I've met his family. Um, in fact, I was in Stevens Point the very day he was killed in Guatemala. But anyway, he grew up in a farm family, I think very genuinely pious. And I suspect he, and their house, in their household, they had things like the Mary Noel magazine. If you were your readers know about that, this you know, Mary Noel order sends yes. sisters and brothers and priests. Really, it's the mission sending society of the U.S. church. And I suspect he read stories about missionaries and was very taken by them. And as I am told, he never did not want to be a missionary in Central America. That's also, I think, one of the reasons he studied and got a major when he graduated in Spanish, so he'd be fluent in the language. Oh, wow. That's a, how our Lord, in a sense, prepared his mind, uh, drew him to things mm-hmm. that he would desire. And when, mm-hmm. he was in, when he was in Central America, what was his main role serving in the schools or being a, a teacher in some way? Right. Both in Nicaragua and in Guatemala, he would have been a teacher for sure. He was also both in the U.S., and again, part of this was his, both his temperament, but also, I think, growing up on a farm and such. He was known at the time by many people, at least in English, as like Brother Fix-It. He was very good mechanically, and he enjoyed that kind of work, like he would have as a kid on a farm, I think. So, yes, he taught uh, religion, of course, and down there probably English. Um, He would have been a prefect in a dormitory, if you will, Uh um, and was also kind of responsible for the maintenance of both the school and the compound and the brother's house and all that kind of stuff. So, he was as often, I think, and there are pictures depicting him this way, he was as often in bib overalls as he was in a, a Christian Brothers robe. Oh, sure. Sure. It, but speaking of uh, his particular traits, his personality, it, within the Order, are there any stories that are passed on or that are reminisced about uh, uh, that about his life or about things that he, he did that were unique to him? Um, I think... Not just his reputation, but I think it's true, and brothers who are still alive would talk about this. I mean, he was very gregarious, very outgoing. 
I remember him as a relatively big man, not obese, but he, he's like a, a rugby player kind of body or a, a fullback in football. Uh-huh. Um, and he was strong as an ox, if you will. And again, I think a lot of this goes back to his roots on a farm outside of Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Um, he was, I mean, everyone tells these stories. He was very often late to chapel exercises. I think, <laughs> honestly, I think, he, I think he rarely missed them. But he was often late and kind of uh-huh. rushing in, I suspect, breathless and probably with mud on his shoes and engine oil on his hands. Uh-huh. Um, brothers would tell the stories when he came into a room, you would generally know he was there because he was kind of bigger than life and he had a hearty laugh. My own memories of him, which again are 40 years old uh, or 45 years old, um, he had an almost perpetual smile and a very big um it kind of took over his whole face. So he was very warm and outgoing. I've never heard stories about him either really losing his temper or being upset. I'm sure it happened, but uh, at least in community, uh, nobody really had talked about that as memories of him. But I love to think of him honestly in in bib overhauls and a wrench in one hand and a hammer in another, and then the bell's going off and he's running in again probably with mud on his shoes and, as I say, grease on his hands from something. Right. Yeah, the, the, you know, the, we say, I mean, I grew up on a farm, too. You can you can take the, uh-huh. the young man off the farm, but you can't take the <laughs> farm out of the young man. <laughs> yeah, I think there was something to that with Brother James, really. He was very down-home. He was, in the best sense of the word, simple, pious, um, yeah, I mean, he's just, which is why I think the Pope recognized him as a servant of God and then beatified him, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he, there, there could be many worse role models for any one of us uh, to take on, you know, rather than Brother James. Yes, that's right. But it sounds like he has an, had an inspiring life. And, and what about from the, the people that it, he interacted with? Or were there any particular traits that came up from the, the local peoples where he lived and ended up being martyred? Yeah, I, especially in Guatemala, he was in a, a town, it's also a diocese, called the Diocese of the Town of Huehuetenango, and that is where he was shot and killed on a Saturday afternoon when he was up on a ladder repairing a wall. Again, there he is, again, mm. painting and repairing things and all. Um, there was, I've seen pictures of and heard stories of, uh, extraordinary outpouring of grief as well as anger that this would have happened to him. Because he and the other brothers and the teachers and the church, the local church, really tried to, I'll say, protect and defend, in particular, the indigenous people of Guatemala, Mayan Indians, who were kind of lowest on the totem pole, if you will, or the priority of, of important people. And, and Brother James and the other brothers really, I'll say, engaged, if not fought the local military to try to keep them from... Um, conscripting boys as young as 10, 12, 14 years old into the Army. And we suspect that's certainly one of the reasons the brothers were put on notice and eventually he or any other of the brothers might have been killed, is to say, don't interfere with what our government is doing. Again, you might remember this, but I certainly do. Um, In the 60s and 70s, there was tremendous upheaval in Central America in many of the countries of Central America, and many, many religious and clergy priests 
nuns, brothers, church workers, you know, were being slaughtered, yes. uh, being kidnapped, being, as they called it, disappeared. And Brother James ended up being one of them because he stood with the church and stood for the poor. Mm-hmm. And was he one in particular? Is there anything that stood out as far as wh- why would he be chosen other than it's God's providence uh, and to make him in, uh, uh, one that would be a blessed now? Uh, but was there anything in at that time, was was he perhaps helping a, a group of youngsters that to avoid the conflict or the battles? Um. I'm not sure, to be honest, but I think what I am told, and the brothers who were with him at the time, all of the brothers and others, uh, I'll say, stood against the army in trying to protect Mm -hmm. their indigenous boys, who Mm -hmm. had no hope of a future, had no hope of an education, were it not for the Church. And so, maybe, maybe, if another brother had been out there repairing that wall up on a ladder on a Saturday afternoon, Maybe he would have been shot, mm-hmm. uh, but it just so happens Brother James was. Well, Brother Robert, we're going to go to a brief break here, and we'll pick up right here on our way back. Stay with us. Real Presence Live Radio with Brother Robert Smith from the Christian Brothers. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. So, uh, seven years ago, my wife and I and four of our kids, um, one, well, five of our kids, one was still inside uh, Mama at the time, we felt something was missing in our, in our faith life, in our, in our church where we were, and we went through a period of kind of being in the wilderness. Over that period of searching, God led us to, uh, to St. Mary's, and we began a journey of conversion, uh, went through RCIA here at the Cathedral Parish, and uh, there was no turning back once, once we went down that road. And, and I, I tell lots of people that what, if you are a devout Christian and you begin this process with an open mind to learn what the Catholic Church has to say about herself... Uh, it will be hard to resist her, and uh, and we found that to be the case, and we have been thrilled and exuberant Catholics ever since. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these planned gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our planned giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live. We're broadcasting from the Church of St. Michael in Pine Island, Minnesota. I'm Father Randall Kiesel. And we're blessed to have with us this morning Brother Robert Smith, a Christian brother who serves at St. Mary and University of St. Mary in Winona, Minnesota. Uh, great to have you here with us, Brother Robert. So much, Father. And we're, our main topic here this morning is Blessed James Miller, a Christian brother who was martyred, and he was recently named Blessed uh, by Pope Francis. And can you share with us uh, that process and what that was like for you? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, let me say this is kind of the scallop, scallop, what do I, telescopic version. Um, usually after someone dies in, within the Catholic Church, you have to wait at least five years. Now, the Pope can waive that, but usually there's at least a five-year waiting period. So after those five years, after Brother James was murdered in Guatemala, the local church opened up an investigation about him and to discern what his life was like, what his values were, and so on, and presented that ultimately to Rome And in 2010. So Mm -hmm. 11 years ago now, uh, the Vatican and the Church recognized Brother James as a servant of God and a person who would be of heroic virtue. Mm-hmm. Pope Francis also recognized the way that he died and the state of grace in which he died made him a martyr for the faith. And so because of that, uh, the next step of this process was his beatification, which usually, quote-unquote, requires a miracle, but Pope Francis, again, in his uh, decision, is he if you are a martyr, that, if you will, takes the place of the one miracle. So yes. uh, Pope Francis in 2018 declared him a beati, that is, uh, beatified, and then in December of 2019, so a year and almost a half ago, uh, the beatification ceremony took place in Huehuetenango, Guatemala, which is where he was killed, mm-hmm. which is the way Pope Francis seems to be doing the beatifications in the local scene. If Brother James were to be canonized, that is made a saint, that would take place generally in Rome. And for that to happen, uh, there would have to be a miracle attributed to Brother James. And to date, I'm certainly not aware of that, although I suspect our folks in our mother house in Rome are, if you will, tracking that and continuing to study that and see where that process might go. But Sometimes in the Church, people stay beatified forever, sometimes a thousand years, sometimes ten years, so we're really not sure about that. But uh, I was at the beatification in Weiwei, Guatemala, and it was a profoundly moving experience to be there. I had been to Weiwei two other times in the past probably 35, 40 years, and uh, I was there a year after Brother James was shot and killed, and to go back a year and a half ago in December to be there was extraordinary. Several thousand people in a big outdoor field, uh, and people representing, of course, Pope Francis for the Mass and the ceremony, and it was really quite extraordinary. Brother James' sister was there, and uh, brother-in-law, they were kind of the representatives of the family. There were a half dozen of us from St. Mary's University, and also a half dozen brothers who went there from all over the world. Wow, that's amazing blessing uh, in the life of the church, you know, that the, in a sense where you have the, the seed gives its life and that new life can come. Uh, have you seen or heard of any blessings that have come for the local peoples with the, the transpiration of his martyrdom in God's providence and his divine will? And then the, the beatification, how do you think that impacted the local church in Guatemala? Well, I think... 
as they did for me as an quote-unquote outsider being in Weiwei Tanango that day. I think this was an extraordinary opportunity for the local church to raise up, if you will, one of its own, even though Brother James, of course, was an American. Most of his adult life was spent either in Nicaragua or Guatemala, and he really gave his life for the flock. I mean, this is a John 15 about laying down your life for your friends, and Brother James, I think, willingly did that. Not knowingly, but willingly, certainly as a man of faith. Um, and I think that experience empowered the people, emboldened them, gave them a greater sense of their own dignity, especially these uh, indigenous Mayan Indians who continue to kind of struggle to uh, come into their own in their culture and in their community. Mm. Yeah, it's a beautiful testament and a beautiful witness it, that only mm-hmm. God could only God could write this story. Only God could have yeah. things work out. It it seems to me in my as I'm listening, the the words that come to mind is that he he lived his life the way he died. He was giving himself, and then his martyr martyrdom in a sense was the the capstone sign that you've given yourself, and now here's your final giving of yourself in in God's providence um, for goodness and truth and love of God and and true love of neighbor uh, that was needed in in those moments. Um, And so, uh, Brother Robert, is there any other ways in which this experience has continued to impact you even to this day? Uh, And you mentioned that the possibility of canonization, you know, is is there any involvement that you have in that process now? I do not, and uh, I think people at our provincial office, our headquarters in Chicago, would be involved, but more so that's handled. We have a what's called a postulator general, kind of a, a, a nickname, respectful, I think, but a nickname would be a saint maker in Rome, and this brother has a degree in canon law, and he's our liaison with the Vatican, so mm-hmm. it's he and his office is kind of coordinating all of that. Hmm. And one, sometimes I know that in the process, the it might be the religious orders or those who are uh, what I would call the custodians of the process toward canonization. Mm-hmm. They will they will print or provide holy cards or print materials on the process or, or maybe a prayer. Is there an official prayer sure. for asking the intercession of Blessed Miller, James Miller? Yes, yes, we do have that, and people could find it on our uh, on either the university's website or the Christian Brothers of the Midwest website. We also have, at St. Mary's University, we have uh, uh, one of his relics in our chapel now, in a beautiful reliquary. Uh, It's a long lock of his jet black hair. Oh, wow. As a part of the process of beatification, he had to be um, disentombed, if you will, and uh, steam that his body was not corrupt, etc., etc. So the, the relics that they they took from his body was his hair. Okay. And we have one of those again in the chapel at St. Mary's. Okay. Can you, can you share a little bit, a little bit more about that process? So w- what year was he murdered? Can you remind us of that? Sure. 1982. So it's now 39 plus years ago, which is hard so, to believe. Wow. 39 years ago. And he was proclaimed blessed. And as part of that process, uh, it was 2018, he was proclaimed blessed, but in that process, he was disentombed, meaning his tomb was opened. And if I understood you correct, his body was found to be incorrupt. Is that what you said? I'm not sure the canon lawyers used that phrase, but it was, uh, they they checked his body and there was virtually no decomposition. And because of that, as I'm told, they are not allowed to 
to disturb the body. So all they took were locks of his hair. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. And so you, if one were to uh, seek the intercession of Blessed James Miller, you would, you can venerate a relic here in the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, Absolutely. at St. Mar- Mary's University Chapel in Winona. That's fascinating. Exactly. And, and, yeah. are there... and also, again, online you could find prayers for his intercession. I don't have the immediate link right now, but either St. Mary's University of Minnesota or the Christian Brothers of the West. Okay, very good. And, you know, who who might, uh, you know, having some knowledge of Blessed James Miller, what we want to encourage people to ask for his intercession, perhaps uh, there might be, in God's providence, one of our listeners or somebody here who might have a need um, for this. So I encourage you, our faithful, to have a sense of asking for his intercession. Maybe you can be part of the final process for him. Uh, but Brother Absolutely. Robert, you... You, you have a letter from uh, Blessed James Miller he wrote just before he was martyred. Can you share some of those thoughts from sure. the Blessed with us? Sure. This is something he wrote, I believe, in, in I'm sorry, January of 1982, a few weeks before he died. And this is what he wrote. Uh, this was to his family. I am personally weary of violence, but I continue to feel a strong commitment to the suffering poor of Central America. The Church is being persecuted because of its option for the poor. Aware of numerous dangers and difficulties, we continue working with faith and hope and trusting in God's providence. He goes on, I have been a brother of the Christian schools for nearly 20 years now. Parenthesis, he was only 37 when he was killed. Mm-hmm. I've been a brother for almost 20 years now, and my... and." The commitment to my vocation grows steadily stronger in my work in Central America. I pray to God for the grace and strength to serve Him faithfully among the poor and oppressed in Guatemala. I place my life in His providence. I place my trust in Him. And three weeks later, he was murdered. Wow, what an amazing testament. That's a a precious letter, a very precious message from him. Wow. Any last, any last words with the last uh, 30 seconds we have, Brother Robert? I think Blessed James Miller would tell me and you and your listeners to practice the gospel in action. I think he would say, words are easy, actions are more challenging. But I think he'd say, he was down-to-earth guy, he'd say, put your money where your mouth is. Oh, amen. That's good sound advice. I think right yeah. right off right off the farm. So Brother yeah, Robert Exactly. Brother Robert, great to have you with us here this morning. Thank you for sharing with us about Blessed James Miller and all of our faithful. Let us let us ask for his intercession. And we'll be right back here on Real Presence Radio. We will welcome another guest talking about the days of Elijah. Stay with us.